I'm not in this world to live up to your expectations. You're not in this world to live up to mine. Be like water, making its way through cracks. Do not be assertive, but adjust to the object, and you shall find a way around or through it. If nothing within you stays rigid, outward things will disclose themselves. Empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. If you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, and it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now, water can flow, or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Hello, and welcome to episode 222 of Under the Cowl of MS. This is a MS multiple sclerosis and health segment. Uh, mix up with a variety of different little, little segments put together, health segments. That may help you with your health issues or with your MS health issues. Things that you may or may not want to try. But I just like to go over these things. See what I've read and checked out and learned. And if it helps someone else out, awesome. And if it helps me out, great. If just ends up being an online diary for me. That works too. But hopefully somebody gets some good from these things. And we're going to get back to you with a variety of them right after this. All right. Time for MS Health segment. Let's talk about, uh, today we can bring up some habits that you can do so that maybe live a longer life. Uh, at least science says that these things will help. Limiting your calories may help you live longer and protect against disease. However, more human searches and researches for human searches. Human research is needed. Duh, human, there's more research needed on everything because you guys change your mind every couple of years and things that are good for you one year, next year isn't. Just constantly changing things up. Uh, adding some nuts to your daily routine may keep you healthy and help you live longer. There's lots of good nuts out there. It's good action like almonds and stuff to help you if you're diabetic to mellow out if you're having sugar issues and stuff. Curcumin, the main bioactive compound in turmeric, has antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties. Some animal studies suggest that it can increase your lifespan. Eating plenty of plant foods is likely to help you Live longer and lower your risk of various common diseases. Regular physical activity, of course, can extend your lifespan. Exercising more than a 
150 minutes per week is best. But even small amounts can help. Stopping smoking can significantly prolong your life and it's never too late to quit. If you drink alcohol, maintaining a moderate intake may help prevent disease and prolong your life. Wine may be tar- particularly beneficial, especially red wines, which we talked about before. Happiness is likely to have positive effects, not only for your mood, but also your lifespan. They say at least once a day, smile. And just crack those lips open. Roll those lips and cheek upward instead of downward. Finding ways to reduce your anxiety and stress levels can extend your lifespan. Maintain optimistic outlook on life can be beneficial too. Definitely keeping the bad people out of your life is a good thing. Don't need negativity around you. Nurturing close relationships, good relationships, may result in decreased stress levels, improved immunity, and an extended lifespan. Being conscientious is associated with a longer lifespan and fewer health problems and old age. Moderate consumption of tea and coffee may be beneficial and benefit healthy aging and longevity. Just don't overdo it because it'll stress out your body and give you the jitters and all that. Developing a sleep routine that includes seven to eight hours of sleep each night may help you live longer. Basically, longevity may seem beyond your control, but many healthy benefits or many healthy habits may lead you to a ripe old age. These include drinking coffee or tea, exercising, getting enough sleep, limiting your alcohol intake. Taken together, these habits can boost your health and put you on a path to a longer life. So if you want to live longer, then you might want to consider some of those things if you're overdoing them or affected by them. And then I just want to put a shout out out there for the train hopper, which I really want one of these. I know I'll never be able to afford to get one, but it's in basically an all-terrain mobility vehicle. Uh, It's the ultimate off-road mobility power scooter designed with distinctive looks and extreme off-road capabilities. It's terrain hopper all one name created for adventure the terrain hopper overlander will give you what you dreamed of freedom to go where you thought inaccessible conquer deep mud sand snow rocks deep hills undergrowth and many obstacles with a ground clearance of 250 millimeters and 35 degree incline climbing ability the inaccessible becomes accessible I really want one of these when I go back to Montana so I can get around my old hiking trails and logging roads and all that shit and actually have some fun and still enjoy my life enough that I can get 
even though I can't walk around as much as I'd like to, I can at least get out in a boat and go to different areas. And with this thing, you could just drive right into a shallow lake and just go fishing or do some gold panning or just go hiking on different hiking trails and stuff and be able to actually get through them. I'm curious. Hopefully it's not loud. It looks like it runs up a small motor, but sometimes if they go off like a chainsaw motor style, those things can be pretty loud. I'm kind of, kind of curious. I really want to test drive one of these someday. You can find out more at terrainhopper.com, P-E-R-R-A-I-N-H-O-P-P-E-R.com, or you can contact them at sales at terrainhopper.com. But yeah, it's, this thing's awesome. I want this so freaking bad, but I know, I know the cost is going to be beyond my means. It's, it's kind of hard to do anything. It's pretty fucked up when you're making good money and everything's going good. You got your own businesses and all this shit going on and partners and other businesses. And all of a sudden your life takes a shit and you go from having a wallet full of money to trying to survive off $800 to $1,000 a month. It's like not even enough to pay rent (laughs) in some places. So yeah, that really sucks. It's like, yeah, get a disease become immobile and then you can't afford to try and mobilize yourself so you end up suffering more your body breaks down more and it's just yeah it just really pisses me this world <laughs> i keep bitching about it but God, <laughs> there's no philosophy that makes sense with the way things go everything's opposite of the way they should be so oh well but at least if I could get my hands on something like this, I could, if I do get another dog in the future, I can actually go out hiking with them and get them out and about. And they can enjoy the outside world. Don't have to be cooped up indoors. But, and then since we were talking about long life, another one other thing I just want to mention is people became hugely obsessed with celery juice and the celery juice challenge and all that stuff. It is true that there's supportive research on the phytochemicals in celery helping to reduce blood pressure, reduce inflammation, and fight against oxidative stress. But the same nutrients are found in whole celery as well as celery juice. You don't have to just juice them, even though when these people juice them, it causes the prices to go up because they're going crazy. You know, some of these people put like whole things of celery, like a couple a day, just to make a juice. And a lot of the juicing stuff, you use a lot of product, get a little juice out of. But there are claims that celery can fight infectious. Infections and disease such as Epstein Barr virus, but it's not backed by science, research, or evidence. So just sit there and try it out if you want, see how it helps you. Uh, and fiber in your diet can also help you feeling full, sparking weight loss, balancing your blood sugar levels, maintain 
maintaining healthy cholesterol levels, feeding the good bacteria in your gut and boosting your immune system, helping you reduce your risk of heart disease and type 2 diabetes. But yeah, it's a big trend out there, so try it out. Research shows that phytochemicals and celery can help reduce blood pressure and inflammation as well as fight against oxidative stress. You can reap these benefits from celery, whether you eat it whole or juice it. However, when celery is juiced, the fiber is removed, and the fiber provides a wealth of benefits, including sparking weight loss, helping to balance your blood sugar levels, and more. So you may want to eat it instead of juice it. If you're interested in trying it, making it a big part of your diet. But that, that's it for today. I'll get back to you with more good stuff in the future and just keep that monster down. And you're like. Time for another MS health segment. And this one's going to be about some physical therapy inspired exercises for people with MS bladder problems. The pelvic floor is a hammock, hammock shaped group of muscles that make up the floor of the pelvis. These muscles have many important functions for the bladder, including supporting the bladder inside the pelvis, contributing to bladder control by holding the outlet of the bladder, the sphincter closed, assisting with emptying the bladder by releasing the outlet, helping control urgency by communicating with the brain and bladder, telling the bladder to remain calm until you can reach the bathroom, hopefully. (laughs) Fortunately, there are some exercises prescribed by pelvic health physical therapists that can help improve bladder control by building strength in the pelvic floor. Here are a few, such as deep belly breathing. You can start this exercise in a comfortable and supported position, maybe in a reclining chair or lying on the couch. But be careful not to fall asleep, though, because this can be very relaxing. Place your hands over your lower lower stomach, your lower belly. Take a big breath in, allowing your belly to fill up first, all the way up to your collarbone. Blow out gently through your mouth, exhaling completely. Once you feel empty, pause and notice that your inner belly muscles and pelvic floor should be gently contracting. Hold this for about three seconds. Relax and repeat it three to five times. You can do this as often as it feels good, but aim for three to five times per day. This exercise also helps to wake up the deep core muscles, including the pelvic floor. It can also help to calm your nervous system. And it may help with Overactive bladder problems, doing Kegels, find a comfortable comfortable position. You may want to start lying down or in a re- reclined sitting position. Relax and bring your attention to your pelvic floor. Gently pull up and in. To do this, try engaging the muscles that stop urine flow. 
You may also feel your lower belly, lower your belly button. Pull in, but the tightening should start with the pelvic floor. Let go and feel your muscles relax or lengthen. Start with holding for a count of three seconds, then release for a count of four to ten. How many can you do and still feel the upward pull and the downward release? 10, 15, 20, whatever. Whatever works for you, start there and do them twice a day. You can work up to about 25 at a time. You can do these anywhere, sitting, standing, lying. It doesn't matter, sitting at work, whatever you want. It's very simple to do and not noticeable at all or anything. So you can even do it when you're in around other people. But ball squeeze. And that's the type that you're thinking of right now in your mind. <laughs> But start in a sitting position or lying down with your knees bent upward towards the ceiling. Holding a small, soft ball between your knees, about 10 to 16 inches apart. Squeeze the ball with your legs while pulling your pelvic floor muscles up and in, doing a Kegel, basically. Hold for three seconds, then relax for three seconds. Repeat this five to ten times. Working up to 20 to 25 repetitions at a time. And if you don't have a ball, you might have this weird plastic white thing with a spring in between it that you can squeeze together. That was designed by uh, Suzanne Summers, I believe, <laughs> back in the 70s, 80s, maybe. And she did the little leg squeezing exercises with this device. We got one laying around here somewhere. But yeah, that may be easier than using a ball and keeping that ball there without falling down. This white plastic thing just works back and forth with a spring so it stays against your legs so you're not dropping it. Then you got the band pole. Basically start in a sitting position or lying down with your knees bent upward towards the ceiling again. Place an exercise band around your thighs. Push your knees apart. Hold for three seconds, then relax for three seconds. Repeat five to ten times, working up to 20 to 25 repetitions at a time. And just be careful if you have any knee issues, like you're missing ACL or MCL or something like that. You got to worry about your knee popping out from the pressure from the band, the resistance from the band where you're pulling it out and stuff. It's because it's like I had to do resistance band sidestepping in therapy, and they did it with a band around my knees. And as soon as I pulled my left leg out to my left side my knee buckled inward because I have no ACL on my left knee or all my bands on my left knee are pretty much gone so it just buckled inward watch out for stuff like that if you have any issues with your knees uh, pelvic tilt plus pelvic floor 
where you start lying on your back with your knees bent. Do a deep belly breath. Exhale and try to feel your deep belly muscles and pelvic floor engage. Hold this gentle contraction without holding your breath while you flatten your low back and gently tilt your pelvis upward. Hold for two to three seconds, relax, and release back to start. Repeat this five to 10 times, working up to 20 to 25 reps at a time. Then you got the bridge plus pelvic floor. You can start by lying on your back with your knees bent. Do a deep belly breath, exhale, and try to feel your deep belly muscles and your pelvic floor engage. Hold this gentle contraction without holding your breath while lifting your hips off the floor. Hold for three seconds, release, and repeat. Repeat five to ten times, working up to 20 to 25 reps at a time. A lot of these sound similar in position-wise and stuff, so work them out doing the best you can do what you can you can only do a half of one or just one starting out do it that way and build yourself up as with any exercise program you'll want to give these exercises some time to work none of these exercises should cause any pain but you may get sore if you push too fast low and steady wins the race and of course let your doctor know if you're doing anything any new exercises or dieting, talk to them about it just so they know what's up. Yeah, that's it for today. We'll get back to you with more goodies in the near future. So keep that monster at bay, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, time for another MS Health segment. A lot of stuff we talk about, we talk about over and over, but it's good to have it out there so people can hear it if they're fresh to the podcast or anything like that so and one thing we're going to talk about today is ms stages the different types basically with multiple sclerosis by understanding the typical progression of ms and learning what to expect you can gain a sense of control and make more informed decisions about your day-to-day life and what type of medications you need to take and all that stuff MS occurs when the body's immune system abnormally targets the central nervous system. The attack on the central nervous system damages the myelin and the nerve fibers that the myelin protects. The damage disrupts or distorts the nerve impulses being sent down the spinal cord. Uh, Right now, they're classifying it pretty much in four stages, whereas... A few years ago, you only heard two or three stages. But the early ones would be the clinically isolated syndrome, CIS. This is the first episode of symptoms caused by inflammation and damage to the myelin covering on the nerves in the brain or spinal cord. Technically, CIS doesn't meet the criteria for a diagnosis of MS as it's an isolated incident with only one area of demyelination responsible for symptoms. 
If an MRI shows another episode in the past, a diagnosis of MS can be made. And then we have relapse and remitting MS, RRMS. The relapse and remitting type of MS generally follows a predictable pattern with periods in which symptoms worsen and then improve. Eventually, it may progress to secondary progressive MS. Whereas I was, my first diagnosis was relapse and remitting MS, and now I'm classified as secondary progressive, which I should have been classified a few, few years earlier in that, so we could have looked at it in a whole different aspect. But what you get when you deal with regular neurologists and doctors and don't deal with specialists that know more about multiple sclerosis or whatever you're dealing with. According to the National MS Society, around 85% of people with MS are initially diagnosed with relapse and remitting MS. And people with relapse and remitting MS have flare-ups, relapses of MS. Between the relapses, they have periods of remission. Over a few decades, the course of the disease is likely to change and become more complex, which will bring you into secondary progressive MS, SPMS. Relapse and remitting MS can progress into a more aggressive form of the disease. Some of those with the relapse and remitting form of the condition will go on to develop secondary progressive MS. This generally happens within 10 years of the first diagnosis, which I don't know why they even say shit like that because, you don't know, they could have been misdiagnosed like me for many years and they only have a short time before they progress into secondary or whatever. But in secondary progressive MS, people will still experience relapses. These are then followed by partial recoveries or periods of remission. But the disease doesn't disappear between cycles. Instead, it steadily gets worse. Whereas a few years ago, I could go a few hundred yards before fatigue. Walking fatigue set in so bad, I just couldn't go any further. Then it got down to about 100 yards, and now it's about 30 yards. That really sucks. (laughs) You really notice it and see it as it happens to you. Uh, Approximately 15% of people are diagnosed with a relatively uncommon form of the disease called primary progressive MS. PPMS. This form is characterized by slow and steady disease progression with no remission periods. Some people with primary progressive MS experience occasional plateaus in their symptoms as well as minor improvements in function that tend to be temporary. There are variations in the progression rate over time. So... Early stages of MS, common symptoms include fatigue, numbness and tangling, weakness, dizziness, pain, walking difficulties, gait issues, cognitive changes, start of your cog fog, vertigo, vision problems, stuff like that you may start to see at the earlier stages. And that's where your doctor can determine whether you're at high risk for developing the condition based on your medical history and a physical exam. 
However, there's no definitive test to confirm the presence of MS. And many of the symptoms also occur with other conditions, so the disease can be tough to diagnose. In general, MS becomes more severe over time. However, there's no specific timeline that the condition follows. Everyone with MS will experience their own timeline. Some people with MS won't notice any progression of the symptoms. For others, symptoms may become severe. Just talk to your doctor about it and they'll work on a treatment plan for you. And who knows, maybe you'll just have Lyme disease or something like that. And if it's early enough, they can do things to prevent it from getting worse. But the next step on the continuum is receiving a diagnosis of MS. Your doctor will diagnose you with MS if there's clear evidence that at two different points in time, You've had separate episodes of the disease disease activity in your central nervous system. Often it can take time to make this diagnosis because other conditions must be ruled out first. These include CNS infections, CNS inflammatory disorders, and genetic disorders. In the new diagnosis stage, you'll likely discuss treatment options with your doctor and learn ways to manage everyday symptoms. And then there's also pediatric MS. Uh, Children and adolescents can be diagnosed with MS. The National Multiple Sclerosis Society reports that between 2 and 5% of all MS patients notice symptoms that started before they were 18 years old, which I have definitely found a variety of symptoms that I had way before 18 years of age. Pediatric MS follows a similar course of progression as the adult form of the disease with similar symptoms as well. Also, the disease course may progress more slowly for younger people than it does for adults. It amps up the older you get, as it did with me. There are a variety of treatment options available to a person diagnosed with MS. Your doctor and medical team will talk those over with you. There's over-the-counter treatments such as pain relievers, uh, stool softeners, laxatives. uh, There's lots of different non-medical things, anti-inflammatory things you can try and do and add to your lifestyle and make part of your life permanently. Some prescription treatments you can get are corticosteroids for MS attacks. Watch them because overuse of corticosteroids have other negative benefits, negative things that come with them along with their benefits. Plasma exchange for MS attacks, which is one thing I've wanted to try but haven't had the opportunity to yet. Beta interferons, Glatimer, Copaxone, teraflunamide, which is Albagio, dimethyl fumarate, like Tecfidera, physical therapy, muscle relaxants, um, do exercise, yoga, acupuncture, relaxation techniques or things you can try to help. 
uh, lifestyle changes, like moving more, stretching, eating a nutritious diet, reducing stress. Some people with MS, their condition will never get to the advanced stage. But if MS does progress to the advanced stages, a person's quality of life can be impacted. It may become very difficult to walk, write, speak, although only very rarely fatal. MS can shorten a person's life by up to seven years or more, depending on where you're at, what you're going through. Caregiver may become needed to help with everyday tasks, may become bedridden or wheelchair bound or whatever, may need help with certain things and tasks throughout life. When you're aware of what to look for in each stage of MS, you can take better control of your life and seek appropriate treatments. Researchers continue to make strides in their understanding of the disease. Improved therapeutic advances, new technologies, and FDA-approved medications are having an impact on the underlying course of MS. Using your knowledge and working closely with your doctor can make MS easier to manage throughout the course of the disease. There's lots of medical treatments that can slow the progression of MS. At least we hope that's their purpose. But you can still have relapses and stuff, and that's when you end up going to a new medication or whatever. So just talk those all over with your doctor and see what you can do to make your life with MS a little less stressful and damaging. That's it for today. Be good to yourself. Be good to everybody else. And put that monster in a box and toss him in the lake and put a couple heavy locks on him. So he sinks down in the bottom and never comes back. Talk to you again soon. All right. Another MS health segment time. <laughs> Let's talk about MS and your sex life. Basically, if you're experienced, if you've experienced challenges in your sex life, you're not alone. Multiple sclerosis can affect your physical and mental health, which can in turn influence your sex drive and sexual relationships. People with MS of sexually or that took a sexually active survey, respondents said they experienced problems with sex, about 80% of them. If left unmanaged, sexual difficulties can negatively affect your quality of life. That's why it's important to take steps to address them and get help when needed. MS is an autoimmune disease that damages, damages the protective coating around your nerve cells as well as the nerves themselves. It can potentially affect the nerve pathways between your brain and your sexual organs. That can make it difficult for you to become sexually aroused or orgasm. Other symptoms of MS can also affect your sex life. For example, muscle weakness, spasms, or pain can make it harder to have sex. Fatigue or mood changes can affect your sex drive and personal relationships. 
Some people may feel less sexually attractive or confident after developing MS. And if you think your MS might be affecting your sex drive, sexual sensation, or sexual relationships, speak with your doctor or another member of your healthcare team and see what they can do to help you out. They're not, you're not going to embarrass, bring up any embarrassing items or anything. They'll, they'll listen to you. They've heard it all before. Depending on the exact cause of your sexual challenges, medication or other treatment options might help also. For example, your doctor might prescribe medications to help relieve muscle spasms. If you have trouble with bladder control, they might recommend medications or intermittent catheterization to reduce the risk of urinary leakage during sex. If you or your partner find it difficult to maintain an erection, your doctor may recommend treatments for erectile dysfunction. For example, for example, your doctor might prescribe oral medications such as sildenafil, tadalafil, or vardenafil, all of which I've never heard of. <laughs> Injectable medications such as alprostadol, papaverine, or fentolamine all of which I've never heard of, <laughs> an inflatable device or implant, basically a robo-wiener. If you or your partner experience vaginal dryness, you can purchase personal lubricant over-the-counter at a drugstore or sex shop. Uh, National Multiple Sclerosis Society recommends water-soluble lubricants rather than oil-based options. And if you don't want to go to a store, a sex shop, or whatever, some great places you can find stuff online. And you can buy stuff through your regular online resources if you want. But if you want more discreet ways, you can try adamandeve.com. They add all kinds of things to help with sexual uh, frustration, sexual problems, uh, sexual play, all kinds of different toys, books, movies, whatever, to help you along the way. Uh, you can go through like drugstore.com and stuff. They'll have some some items for you, many of your medical uh, departments, Walmart, Walgreens, all those will have different things that you can get also. I would say Adam and Eve is probably your one of your wider sources to get a variety of different things uh, to try out if you'd like. You can use new sexual techniques or sex toys might help you and your partner enjoy sex more and address the symptoms of MS that may interfere with sexual pleasure. For example, MS causes nerve damage, so using a vibrator may make it easier for you to achieve arousal or orgasm. You might also consider specially designed cushions such as those by Liberator. They aim to create supportive landscapes for intimates, 
intimacy. The award, the award-winning website Chronic Sex, which focuses on sex education and resources for people with chronic conditions, maintains a list of recommended sex toys. Trying a new position might also help you manage MS symptoms. For example, in some positions, you may find it easier to work around symptoms such as muscle weakness, spasms, or pain. I know with many of us, repeat, repetitive uh, movements and stuff can cause types of spasms and stuff that you got to watch out for, muscle seizures or lockups, cramping, things like that. Uh, trying a new position. Oh, we just talked about that. You can experience and experiment to see what feels best for you using your hands for stimulation and massage, mutual masturbation, and oral sex also helps provide pleasure for many people. To take some of the pressure off, it might help for you or your partner to explore each other's bodies through other forms of touch. You might find it romantic or comforting to share a slow dance, take a shower together, give each other massages, or cuddle for a while. These activities might serve as foreplay to sex, but they can also provide pleasure on their own. Sexual intercourse isn't the only way to be intimate, intimate with one another. And you also got to take into consideration if a partner that's having problems flirting with you or trying to be intimate and you shove them away at those moments that they feel more adequate to do something then you're just making it harder for them in the long run and they gotta wait for a period that they feel that they can become aroused enough that they can have some sexual intimacy but to help your partner understand how your condition is affecting you and your sex life it's important to maintain open lines of communication be honest with them about how you're feeling reassure them about your care and desire for them when you communicate with each other it's possible to work through many sexual challenges together MS can affect your mental health too, so managing a chronic health condition can be stressful. Its effects on your body and life might affect your self-esteem or leave you feeling angry, anxious, or depressed. In turn, changes in your mood and mental health can affect your sex drive and sexual relationships. To help manage the emotional and psychological effects of your condition, consider asking asking your doctor for a referral to a mental health specialist. They can help you develop strategies to cope with your feelings and daily stressors. In some cases, they might prescribe medications such as antidepressants, which antidepressants can also destroy your sexual intimacy and that make you not want to have sex or be intimate. So, Take those into consideration, which ones you're on, and look at, do some research. If you've been experiencing difficulties with sex, it might help for 
you and your partner to speak with a trained sex therapist. Sex therapy can help you talk about some of the challenges you've been facing together. It can also help you develop strategies for working through those challenges. Basically, if your condition begins to affect your sex life, there are strategies and resources that can help. Consider making an appointment with your doctor, mental health professional, or sex therapist. Talk to your partner about how you're feeling. Work with them to navigate challenges in your sexual relationship together. Just talk it out, work it out, and see what you can do, and talk with your doctors, and check into some devices and toys and whatever. You never know. You might enjoy it. Try it out. See what you can do to make your sex life a happy place again. That's it for today. Be good to yourself. Lock that monster up. Don't let him interfere with your sex drive. Get rid of him. Lock him in the closet. And we'll talk to you again soon. Be good. All right, time for another MS Health segment. I'm going to redo this one because I just did it, but I forgot to hit the record button. (laughs) That's not good. Let's talk about some weight loss tips that you can take that are evidence-based for helping you lose weight. Uh, Drinking water can boost metabolism over a period of time, helping you burn off more few, few, a few more calories. So. Definitely drink lots of water. Eating whole eggs can have all sorts of benefits, including helping you lose weight. Studies showed that replacing grain-based breakfast with eggs can help you eat fewer calories for the next 36 hours, as well as lose more weight and body fat. If you don't eat eggs, any source of quality protein for breakfast should do the trick. Eat a breakfast, and if you're like me, you might not be a breakfast type person coffee has been unfairly demonized quality coffee is loaded with antioxidants and can have numerous health benefits just stay away from all the sugary crap and additives that people like to put in their coffees make it black or do like i started using the mct oil the coconut oil based thing grass-fed butter and stuff you mix the grass-fed butter like a tablespoon of that, a tablespoon of MCT oil, and that's considered bulletproof coffee or whatever. There's ways like that you can take it also, and that's supposed to help with energy and fight fatigue and stuff like that. Today was the first day I tried it, so we'll see how it goes over the next week or so. Green tea also may also has many benefits, one of them being weight loss. And green tea contains small amounts of caffeine, and it's lowered with powerful antioxidants called ketogens, which are believed to work synergistically with caffeine to enhance fat burning. Intermittent fasting is a popular eating pattern in which people cycle between periods of fasting and eating. You can look into that and try a intermittent fasting routine that works for you if you want. Uh, a fiber called glucomannan has been linked to weight loss in several studies. Uh, studies show people who supplement with glucomannan 
lose a bit more weight than those who don't. Added sugars is one of the worst ingredients in your modern diet, so stay away from added sugars. You don't need them. Eat less refined carbs. Refined carbs include sugar and grains that have been stripped of their fibrous nutritious parts, nutrition, nutritious, nutritious parts. Uh, I can't speak today, and it's really suck. I'm getting worse and worse, worse and worse without my damn teeth. I just can't wait. Three more months, I think, or two more months. We'll see. But these things include white bread, pastas, white grains, all that stuff. So stay away from any of the white rice, white pasta, white flours, all that stuff. It's bad for you. Uh, if you want to get all the benefits of carb restriction, then consider going all the way and committing to a low-carb low diet. That's beneficial. Using smaller plates has been shown to help some people, but not if you're filling plate after plate after plate. Portion control, basically simply eating less or counting calories, can be useful for obvious reasons. Keeping healthy food nearby can prevent you from eating something unhealthy if you become excessively hungry or if it's hard to make the healthier item or whatever, or if you don't have something within reach that's healthy. So prepare stuff ahead of time, including whole fruits, nuts, baby carrots. Which I say take a regular carrot and chop it up because I was told baby carrots are just leftover crap that has no nutritional value it's just pressed together to make the baby carrots yogurt and hard-boiled eggs uh, taking probiotic supplements containing bacteria of the lactobacillus subfamily have been showing to reduce fat mass chili peppers contain capsaicin a spicy compound that can boost metabolism and reduce your appetite slightly. Or just eat tons of peppers and then you won't want to eat anything else. Uh, doing aerobic exercise, cardio, is an excellent way to burn calories and improve your physical and mental health. Uh, you can get into resistance exercise such as lifting weights. Studies show that weightlifting can help keep your metabolism high and prevent you from losing precious muscle mass, which is very important, especially if you're not as active and you don't want to have more gait problems and stuff. Fiber is often recommended for weight loss, especially viscous fiber can increase satiety and help you control your weight over the long term. Vegetables and fruits have several properties that make them effective for weight loss. I just myself suggest that fresh vegetables and fruits are known to start losing their nutritious values as soon as you pluck them from the vines. So I prefer frozen canned stuff. Just watch what's in there for additives and salts and stuff if you're diabetic or whatever. Sleep is highly underrated, but maybe just as important as eating healthy and exercising. Uh, if you experience overpowering cravings you, and can't seem to curb your eating, 
no matter how hard you try, you may suffer from an addiction. So seek professional help with that. Protein is the simple, most important nutrient for losing weight. If you struggle to get enough protein in your diet, taking a supplement such as a protein powder can help. Stay away from the sugary drinks, including soda and fruit juice. It's just they're packed with way more sugar than actually eating sugar by itself. You can, if you want to be a leaner, healthier person, then one of the best things you can do for yourself is to eat whole single ingredient foods, real foods. Uh, Diets, one of the biggest problems with them are diets rarely work in the long term. You'll start it, be doing good, and then fall off it, and then you gain weight back, and a lot of times you'll gain more weight than you started with. And each time you do another diet, that keeps happening. You're just going to get worse and worse in time. That's why I suggest build your diet around stuff you enjoy, the stuff that makes your body feel better and anti-inflammatory items and stuff like that and stay away from all the crap that's the best way to do it maybe give yourself a fun day once a month or once every couple of weeks or something and if you need that in your system but i strongly suggest just building the diet around you so it can become a lifetime thing your brain may take a while to register that you've had enough to eat, so chew slowly is a good thing. It might help you feel fuller with before you eat your whole plate, and that may be a good thing. And then you can downsize plates as you go. But numerous techniques can aid your weight loss goals. Some of the tips I gave you are purely dietary, involving eating more protein or cutting back on added sugar. Others, such as improving sleep quality or adding a workout routine are more lifestyle-based. For example, doing more slowly is one step you can take to institute mindful eating. If you implement a handful of these tips, you'll be well on your way to weight loss goals. your doctor know what you're doing, try out some things, see how they help, and we'll get back to you again soon.